0: Bros. All right, we can start in five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Anthony Anselm, aka Black Fabio, aka the Midnight Marauder, aka Mr. aka. And today we have a special guest. All I gotta say is Midwest Main, Midwest Grade. This is the gentleman of the hour. Is bringing in some more firepower. So with that i'm not going to make you sour i'm just going to go ahead and open this up like a blooming of flowers. with that sir would you like to introduce yourself to the people
1: yeah hi anthony that's a great introduction thank you i, uh, I appreciate that uh my name is joe Vandersky and i live in chicago and uh i'm a vietnam veteran i uh spent 31 years in the chicago police force and after that i became <clears throat> i studied acting and writing and uh uh, that's what I do. I, I write. I've written a couple of uh, a novel. I've written uh, two screenplays, uh, a play. I've done some plays. So uh, I'd like to transition from. Uh, it's always been my goal to to kind of study the human condition. So all those jobs that I've had, from being in the army to uh, uh, being in uh, the police department to being a I'm also a licensed counselor in Illinois. It all help me study people and and help me understand why we're here and what the heck we're doing here. What you are all awesome. about. Well, Sorry that you, you are awesome. Oh no, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: <clears throat> so you were you're a Vietnam veteran? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for your service for one for one thing. That so um, was my
1: soldier's first, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know you didn't get a lot of love back then, but just know that we
1: appreciate what you did. Seriously. Well, you know, I I understand that. You know, um, when I it it, it wasn't a, so so much a problem for me because where I grew up, I grew up in the in the in an old stock near old stockyards in Chicago. So it was a very uh poor <clears throat> excuse me uh blue collar class working class people and uh, all of my buddies when we graduated high school all my uh my homeboys we 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 all joined up and uh went out and within three or four years all of us were in service in one capacity or another. Fortunately, we all made it back, so when I came back we came back to to my my hood and these were the people who loved us, so it wasn't a problem for me i didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with people spitting on me or anything like that so it was all good for some people did yeah Yeah,
0: because, I mean. That was a tough war for everybody. But like, oh, yeah. I, I I mean, it was just like it was some really hard times. There was a lot of questioning going on. I mean, and I'm saying this to somebody that wasn't there because mm-hmm. I was too young. My mom was my mom was born in sixty five. So oh, wow. she was like, cool. Yeah, so when she um when this was happening, you know, she was a child. Sure. She You say there was a lot of things that were changing, there were civil rights going on.
1: Oh yeah there was yeah.
0: there was just, everything was just crazy and stressful for anybody well, it was a changing
1: time it's, yeah it was a changing time in the world uh completely uh your mom is probably eight years younger <clears throat> I' fifty five I was born at forty eight so <clears throat> your mom is seven or eight years younger, so but still she was able to witness some of the stuff uh but um it was interesting time. there was changes in everything from music to uh the way people thought about things to the way people looked at, uh, the establishment to you know it was always a lot of, uh, a lot of polarization, which continues to today, which is, you know, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but the only time we really came together as a people was after nine 11. So it was, we were all together then and now we forgot about that. So, uh, too many people trying to make, make it as a business to divide us when we're really all together, all the same.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Like, I feel like we have become so more divided in just the last decade. It's oh, just yeah. it's, It doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm saying this as I'm only 30 years old, okay? But, yeah. like, it's just I remember it didn't used to be so hard to me amongst other people because, you know, my, gener- my generation didn't have to go through civil rights and stuff, you know? We didn't have to go through all the things where, you know, there were just certain places I couldn't go, like I can feel free to go anywhere, but it seems like certain places nowadays I can't. I don't feel comfortable. Really? Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, and, it, it's and, not. It's not anything hateful or anything like that. It's just the way things are right now. Everybody's just like looking over their shoulders.
1: Yeah. Right you're, no, you're right. It's a shame because it doesn't have to be that way. It's a, I, I, you know, it's like it's like instead of walking up to going to some place where you're not familiar, instead of looking at somebody and saying, "Hey," uh your your customer your your uh an associate or whatever they look at you like is this guy the enemy or what? Is he gonna be? you know, it's 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 crazy. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. It's deteriorated. It's gotten worse from the point. You know, I, I grew up in the time where where the uh, Martin Luther King marched through uh, uh some of the neighborhoods that uh were near where I was and uh and nobody really understood what he was doing at the time and and things were kind of complex the way that uh, things happened in Chicago, <clears throat> the way that some of the neighborhoods changed like in, in within two or three years, and people really kind of resented it. And it, was, it wasn't the people that were the problem. It wasn't the people at all. It was the people who made money off of it all. It was the people who profited off of it all that really uh, made the problem worse than it ever was. Which is sad, but... You know, when it comes to
0: affecting people's pockets, that's the worst way you can hit a um, hit a person that's upper class.
1: Hit them in their pockets. Well, and we didn't, we didn't even know we didn't even know what upper class was. We were just we were just just working class. We just had our friends and we kept starting, we tried to get jobs and tried to make it make it make it by and and uh, you know it, it wasn't. We never pictured any of us being in tuxedos and dancing at the Drake Hotel or, or someplace like that or Trump Tower or anything like that, which didn't exist at the time. But it was just, you know, everybody. All of my friends. This is going to be a shock to you. Probably all of my friends, except one or two, and mm-hmm. I, we're all we were all mar- we were all married by the time we were 25. They're all married.
0: <laughs> Man, try to tell that to my generation.
1: <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> We were and when I talked to you, know, young. yeah, yeah, no, we were all married. All starting to have kids. All married, had kids, had jobs. You know, somebody's going to be a one of my buddies became a carpenter. uh you know, another one became an electrician. Uh, I became a cop. Uh, it was just all like laid out like that. It's just what you did. You had to do that. You know. Oh,
0: you were a cop. as well.
1: Yeah, for thirty-one years. Yeah,
0: for Chicago PD.
1: Yep. <clears throat>
0: Dang. You're just
1: doing all types of stuff. Yeah, I know. Like I said, I've been retired from, <clears throat> retired from the police department for 16 years now. And believe me, Anthony, I can tell you one thing. It has changed more, more than any job you ever could imagine.
0: I, I can only and believe it.
1: You, <laughs> you, you wouldn't even believe it. And not necessarily oh. for the better, either. <clears throat>
0: um. Yeah, I mean... Let me ask you this. So, yeah. As um as a man that did represent the Chicago PD, like, what yeah. was the hardest part about being the part of, you know, the like? Is like, what department were you in? The Are
1: you the there? yeah yeah yeah. I'm sorry. I, I repeat the the last part of that question.
0: So, um, like, did you um, did you have a certain area or district that you worked in? Majority of the time well, you were a police officer?
1: Well what I did is I started everybody starts out in a beat car, you know, in a uniform. And uh, and from there they go they spend several years, depending on when they give the tests and when they promote people. So I was like uh I spent about oh eight years in a in a, in a beat car in different districts, um and on different beats, and then I became a detective. I uh, became a uh, violent crimes detective, worked homicides, uh, sex crimes, rapes, robberies. Uh, then, wow. um, yeah, then I got promoted to sergeant. Oh, I was also on, on the horse unit for a couple of years, which is great. The horse unit? The horses, yeah, we got horses in it, yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. That was, the, that was unique. So then I became a sergeant and uh, went back to on the beat for a while and, oh, uh, uh, worked in administration for a while, then worked uh, as a sergeant in homicide, or violent crimes, you call it, and then um, became a lieutenant. Back out on the street for a while, and then uh, became a uh, a boss, uh, and uh, ended up working uh, directly for the police chief. We call him superintendent here, and uh, then I got promoted to deputy chief of, of uh, detectives, responsible for half of the Crime on, for crime on half of the city, and then uh, I was uh, moved to deputy chief of organized crime for my last year and a half. So um, you know I could see changes coming, and um, you know it's funny because when I worked in the, some of the worst neighborhoods in the city, um, I never had a problem with, with the people. I, I really never did. I mean, if you treated people fairly, it was like, okay, we're the police. They know we got a job to do. Mm-hmm. You, you, you do what you got to do. You, you treat people square. You know, you uh, you you try to help them settle their problem because you never they never call you when things are going good. It's, they call you when they got a problem, and if you got to try and help them figure out how to solve it. Well, when when somebody knew that they screwed up. They knew that they were going to get locked up. They knew what the story was. I probably mm-hmm. did well, you know. So it was like, okay, you got me. All right, let the court handle it. So I'm not saying that there weren't times that where were things got out of hand. I'm just saying that generally, when I was working in some of the worst areas in this city, I never felt uncomfortable. I never felt like like uh, I never felt like somebody hated me all the time and. You know, people would thank me. There's people, different, not that I was involved in, but an episode where I was involved in where a guy came out with a gun looking for this copper, and he was hiding under a car because he he had lost his weapon or whatever, and the citizens told the copper, stay down and hide when they protected him until the rest of the police came. And these are, excuse me, you know, we hear about the, the, these people that get arrested all the time, okay? But for every for every rape that happens, for every armed robbery that happens, for every homicide that happens, there's a victim. There's a there's somebody that's lives with. So says, you know, they they tend to say this. Oh, three people were shot. Two of them are going to be okay. Well, they're not going to be okay. They got freaking shot. You know what I mean? I mean, their life is their life is. Yeah, hey. is, yeah it's a, it's a serious it, it, you know thing, and everybody just kind of accepts it all. But they don't. They don't come in and and, and and the victims here, they need a voice. So the police often my my goal when I became a police officer, the reason I became a police officer, was to help those people that people kept running over all the time. And so there's people out there that are victims, that are afraid to leave their house, that board up the house, the house got twenty-five locks on it, they got three Dobermans and they're they're afraid to they're, they're they're helpless they're they have no freedom but people forget about those people you know so that's the people i was interested in helping so to I me mean, you were <clears throat> you had
0: a good sense of justice well, well I,
1: in I think case. Uh, uh, yeah i mean not i'm not saying that everybody was was the same i'm not i'm not saying there weren't some guys that 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 were bad, just like there's if you, there's ten bad barbers, there's, if there's ten barbers, three of them are screwed up. The ten neurosurgeons, whatever. But what I'm saying, there's always a group of, of people who, who don't do what they're supposed to do. But what I'm saying is, for the most part, uh, we tried to hey, we we went to work every day trying to get home at night and trying to trying to do what we could. I mean, to make things better for everybody. So. I didn't even dominate the conversation, but, but just... No, dominate, no, no. This is, like,
0: yeah. I'm listening because, like, I want to hear what you got. Because I don't get to... I don't get to... Like, I speak... To, every once in a while, like, you know, I'll run into, like, a police officer here in Kansas City. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Okay, my great... My grandfather, okay? He was in the KCPD um, back in the 70s for about 10 uh-huh. years. The yeah. reason why he had quit was because he got into an accident and messed up his equilibrium, so he couldn't perform the duties anymore of a police, right. uh, police officer. So you would have probably retired through them. Right. And, yeah. and the thing is, like, growing up with, you know, a mom that was a Marine and then my grandpa was a police officer and all that, like, it's like I've seen kind of, like, the sides of the coin. Like, yeah. for instance, you know, you know how it is for the black community and police officers. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, you're from Chicago. It's one of the blackest cities in the world. I mean, heck, it's one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world. And
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, the, problem you know, here,
1: the problem here is – go ahead. Go ahead so sorry.
0: No, 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 because, um, like, I would like to know, like, because, you know, I know a lot of police officers get bad reps, and I'm not saying that it's – let me pull out this. With humanity, there's always gonna be, there's always gonna be somebody who uses power in the wrong way. That just happens.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: But like, it's always good to hear like you know somebody from the other side of the coin.
1: Oh yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, have you had any experiences where you had to deal with any other officers who maybe didn't you know? Let me pull out this. Have an open mind like yourself.
1: Well, here's the thing, uh, Anthony. Everybody, all right, I worked the same with a bunch of guys in in a B car, a bunch of guys in a detective unit, a bunch of guys uh, in uh, different areas that I worked, a bunch of guys on the horses. And it was always the same. Most of the guys went to work, got their assignments, tried to handle them the best way they knew, Felt that they made try, best tried to make a difference at the end of the day, and then went on their way. And of course, sometimes they had to get end up going to court or whatever. Uh, they go home to their families because that's what it's about. Now, the thing is, you know, when you, oh, I'll give you an example. So the big thing now is is bail reform, where they say, oh, we, you know, we had too many people spending too much time in jail, so they got to be out on bail. So the idea there is solid. It's, it's, a, it's a, a a good concept. Or say, hey, the guy's not been convicted of a crime. He's been accused of a crime. Why should he spend all that time in jail until his trial comes? And so it kind of makes sense, theoretically. But in reality, what happened, and, and again, I, police don't afford that. They understand. But in reality, what happens, and it's what's happened here, is that they corrupted that system, and so they've been cutting people loose, out on bail that have records three, four pages long. They've they've done arrests, they've got violent crime arrests, and they're back out on the street. So, awaiting trial. So, what does that do? Okay. So you're, you're just picture what normally happens. So you got a guy who's terrorizing a neighborhood. Finally, the police catch him. Okay. And they hook him up with, say he's doing two, three robberies or carjackings, all right? Now, mm-hmm. you try to investigate those, and who do you go to? You go to the people in the neighborhood, even, even if it's a homicide. You go to the neighborhood, and you try to have people tell what, what they saw to cooperate with the police. Well, if they know that the guy's you know, uh, going to spend the rest of the time in jail until his trial... They're more likely to talk to the police if it's something serious. But now they know the guy's going to be out on, 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 you know, he gets locked up on Friday, he's going to be out on Monday back in the hood, and now he's got access to all this information on who's, who's uh, you know, testifying on him, who's a witness and all this other stuff. They're not going to say anything. So it's like, okay, so who won that battle? You know, that's just I an heard. example of a good idea that doesn't work in reality. i mean i could see that i could definitely see that the idea is the idea is again non-violent offenders you have a non-violent offender a kid gets caught with the. well of course marijuana is legal here now so but um oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah it's legal oh yeah it's crazy now they're all scrambling to try and fix the laws and figure out what to do and they're running out of marijuana it's 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 funny but they're marijuana already Oh yeah. I guess the tax is thirty five percent tax on marijuana sales. So you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna say, Okay, why the hell would I pay thirty five percent tax I go on the black and get it? The same same amount that I got before. Anyway Right.
0: Thirty (laughs) five percent that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it already ran out, like I said. So uh, my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, it's another story. It's just like everything else. You know, it's, it's something new. Times change. People's ideas change. You know, we never used to lock up people with small amounts of marijuana. We never, we never used to do that. I mean, we'd get a kid, you know, some high school kid or whatever. we just sit, take it and dump it down the store and whatever. No. Right. But, but back to the point is that, okay, say it's, it's a, it's a, the guy's got a little bit of weed or, or whatever and, uh, he gets locked up and he's not in violence. He's got no violence. It's, it's, he's only been arrested once or twice. He's got no record of fighting with the police. He's got no record of, of uh, uh, not showing up for court. Yeah, let him out on bail. Sure. Let him. I mean, on, on I-bond. Let him out with no, no bond. Fine. Nobody has a problem with that. Well, when you got a guy that's part of a gang where he's got sheets three or four times long, he's already been convicted of a felon, a felon, and he's got, uh, uh, got caught again with a gun. There's no way he should be out. No way. He, no, because he's
0: he just gonna do it again.
1: You know he's and he is. The thing is, he knows it, and he knows there's no there's no repercussions to whatever he does. And so, you know, there's well, no lesson there. You know.
0: Well, with that, guys, we're taking a commercial break. Hey, I'm Eric
1: Morris with Morris and Barrow. We provide accurate and cost-effective foundation repairs as well as dry solutions for your basement or cross Now, if you're in the Atlanta metro area and you have water coming in below your house or you see cracks in your foundation wall, then give us a call at 770-546-3998 or visit our website at morrisonviro.com. You can follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at Morrison Barrow to find useful resources that can help you with your foundation solutions.
0: I mean, look, I mean, as we're back right now, I mean, I think about some of the important things that we need to realize, you know, Like you were saying, like, the hardest days for you are usually when somebody gets really hurt, a police officer or a child.
1: Or an old person.
0: Or an old person. And it's sad that it's gotten to the point where, you know, I I even had to say, like, people are messing with old people. Like, I just saw a story the other day where a man murdered a poor old lady who was, like, 79 years old. Yeah. And robbed Yeah. Like, it was just like, it, it confused me. Like, you know, yeah. women, children, and old people. Yeah. Like, and now it's just like, anything's up for grabs.
1: Well, it's, I think part of the problem, too, is that we're more aware of it because we've got the internet, we've got all these uh, all these ways to find out everything that happens every day about everything. You know what I mean? So it's like, and then people take snippets and they post it up and they, you know, people see that. And then they make these broad, wild uh, judgments about, they they paint everybody that's involved with a a broad brush. You know, it's not like that. It's like, it's like, you know, people, some of the most uh, uh, people that you would say, uh, oh, these people are, are living crime and are criminals and all that stuff. But they they essentially are looking for the same things that, that we are. They're looking for safety. They're looking for safety for their families. They're looking to, to try and, and, and make some kind of life for themselves. Sometimes they get turned around as to the right path to do that. But it's, it's sometimes the same thing. It's the same, you know, when it gets down to it um, – it's all about trying to get get through to get through life, and 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 and, and again, safety.
0: I completely agree. very. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants to feel safe in their community, yeah. in their homes, around people. I mean, that's what's scary about the times we're living in right now. And like, I do my best every day to put on my best. Needs. And yeah. most I people real, do. I, I realize as I'm getting older that, like, I can't be afraid of my shadow every time I go somewhere. No. Like, and don't get me wrong, I grew up in a pretty decent neighborhood, okay? My mom grew up in a yeah. middle class neighborhood. Like, because she, she wanted us to have the best education, a better sure. environment. But, like, you know, sometimes that doesn't even matter anymore. You can live in a suburb or you can live in the hood. If somebody starts wilding out, the next thing you know, you don't know when your time's going to come. Right. And, like, I have so many friends that are so scared to even just go out with their kids to, like, Chuck E. Cheese.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we had to close down with Chuck E. Cheese here. What? Oh, yeah. There was Chuck E. Cheese uh, probably, <coughs> excuse me, a mile and a half from my home. And they couldn't, it was in, in a suburb. Uh, a little strip mall, and they couldn't have uh, doings there without the place going up for grabs. There must have been 10, 15, 20 fights a month there, and the police were over there. So it was like they, they finally ended up closing it. Now, how can you justify not being able to take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese without getting everybody getting in a wild fight? It doesn't make any sense. Sorry, People
0: are bringing a beef in. Where
1: children are playing and drawing themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. And that's, again, that's, that's, it it doesn't make any sense, and and, and 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 that's why people are afraid to go out. That's why people are afraid to 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 go to a mall or go to to downtown. Or you know, there's people in Chicago suburbs never been downtown. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. zero one
0: zero. I've been downtown in Chicago.
1: Yeah. One of the most beautiful it work. is, yeah, it is, and we love it. We want it to stay that way. You know, yeah. it's the problem is these kids run. They, these kids run wild. You're in groups down there. They've been going into groups lately, and they've been they've been looking for for victims and and going into stores and grabbing. You know, five ten people going to a a, a big highline store and they'll grab a bunch of shit and walk out the store with it. And it's like. People see this, and or they or they get threatened, they get robbed. They they don't want to come down. They're afraid. They read they read about it, and they think it's like that all the time, but it's not.
0: To be honest, a lot of the kids that are doing this type of stuff, a lot of people don't understand what they're going through in their neighborhoods and why they do stuff like that. A lot of them kids are just bored and ain't got right no education. They ain't got no education. I know now, like a lot of the schools in Chicago right now. Especially for a lot of lower-income kids, they don't have the they don't have all the privileges that like a lot of schools that get actual income for them to have extracurriculars and other activities. Well,
1: yeah, I think it's more uh, the lack of. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that the, that there's not they, they have everything good. I'm just saying that there's all sorts of stuff. There's there's programs. Oh, there's part, just, part But all I'm saying is is that what happens is. They get together. A lot of them don't have parental guidance. They're, they're, a lot of them, our grandmothers are raising them. They're single moms are raising them. Thank God for for single moms. Uh, it's a, it's a big problem. Yeah, you know. a lot of these
0: kids, you know, a lot of these long, you know, single mothers, they're young kids themselves. They right, right. Them, they, and right. And that's that's a hard thing to see. Like, right. Right. I was I was a lucky kid who had a, um who had a single mother. Right, you know, who wanted to grow before she had children. Right, you know, like because things happen. We just, like one moment, you know, you're in love, you're young and dumb and in love, and then
1: yeah.
0: next thing so you know, what you're having a child at sixteen. You know, because yeah. I have an auntie. I have a auntie who was young. When she had a kid when she had her yeah. first child. She had six kids, and yeah. my mom saw what she was going through. Her children, you know, and my mom didn't want that life. She had spent most of her life actually taking care of people's kids, of course, um, like including her siblings. So, in my situation, I got lucky. I know there's a lot of kids, um, unfortunately, didn't get that. Like, like, my mom was a little bit more mature, yeah, before you know she got into her, you know, because she knew more about herself back then. A lot of these kids don't,
1: right. Well, she wanted something good for her kids. You know, she wanted didn't want them to go through a cycle of, uh, of of something that's going to turn them into not being successful, whatever they need to do. My mom grew up in the 40s here in Kansas
0: City. These are tough neighborhoods. Okay, it was tough back then. It's tough now.
1: Yeah.
0: My mom even said, I never wanted you kids to have the life I had when I was growing up. Right. She- what was better for us and this is her working three jobs going to school yeah. getting her bachelor's degree getting a master's degree My mom God bless of, yeah like i'm i can already say i'm one of the most fortunate children in the world just from that
1: but you, you're a good kid see and, and and here's the thing you know anthony we see the same things as police officers we go into some of the worst uh, the 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 worst neighborhoods and you know there may be a family with five or six kids that four of them would be in trouble and one would end up never giving a problem to anybody who would be responsible and going to school and, 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 and getting a job, working two or three jobs and try to help their family. And I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's great to see that, but it should be, uh, it should be widespread, more widespread. What, what success story, how do you, how do you, branch that out to everybody else in the, in the, in the community, you know, and that's the same thing at every, it's the same thing at every community because what's happened is people in every community, especially like in the, in the white suburban areas where they're more upper class here, they're dying in droves of, of heroin. And so, you know, it's, oh yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big issue, you know, and so. That's a ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible, yeah. I agree.
0: Um, one thing I could say is, it doesn't matter where you're from at this yeah. point. It's not hard to find drugs. It's not hard no, to find No,
1: drugs.
0: God, no, God, <laughs> no. It's like, you can go to the suburbs right now, and somebody's shooting up a mall these days. Yes. It's, like, it's it's not hard at all. Like The only place where you think it's a safe haven is not, not
1: be that safe at all. No, no. My, uh, I used to work for a psychiatrist, and he he would lecture people in the suburbs, rich suburbs here, and they would say, "Well, there's no drug problem in these suburbs. There's no drug problem in these suburbs." And he would tell them, "On your way in, did you see a, a, a brand new Porsche 911?" And they said, "Yes, yeah, kind of nice." He says, "That's mine." He says, "I've got two of them." Since drugs in the suburb help pay for both of them.
0: Ha! <laughs> Touche. Yeah. I like that guy.
1: Yeah. Well, he unfortunately, he unfortunately, he passed away, but he was a good guy. Yeah. But see, now you're a young man. Now, you're into what is your is the theme of your show normally? Do you have a specific theme?
0: Oh. I mean it's an open conversation but it's like yeah. I love the fact that we're getting it because I wanna know about who you are too, not just, you know, Joe the actor or Joe the writer. I want to know yeah. about Joe the man. And, and I was like I I can already tell just from like what you've given me in our conversation, you probably have taken some of this experience towards your art of acting and writing because you've experienced a lot in a lifetime already. Just yeah. from well, <laughs> Or now you're you are serving the streets of the um of the United States of Chicago. You know, like that's I find that very impeccable, so I do want to talk about your I do want to talk about your acting and writing too. I wanna well, to people know who you are, Mr. Andrew.
1: Well here's the thing, Anthony. I was scared of everything and everybody when I was a kid. Uh I grew up again in a cold water flat near the stockyards here. And my mother is Italian. My father was Polish. And my father worked two, three jobs. And, uh, and you know, uh, until I got to the point where I was about 12 or 13 or 14 and hung around with my friends and we we uh, kind of made sure we all took care of each other. Uh, you know, and then finally we, when we all went into the service, that was the big thing. And then we all come back, uh, like, really confident, like, really... Uh, aware of, of, uh, who we were as people and, you know, <clears throat> how things really laid out in life. Um, so the kids have a, a certain, you know, my heroes when I was a kid was uh, I was into the comic books, of course, and we used to read all the, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, I had, you know, Superman, Batman, uh, all these, these guys were heroes. I remember when, when Batman first came on TV, I was so disappointed because I had my idea of Batman being from the comics, and they put these guys in like it was a like it was a comedy show on TV when they first. Oh came my down. gosh, the Adam West Oh Batman. yeah, yeah, they're showing yeah, they're showing the balloons with the pow and zoom and all that. So I was I was so upset, you know, because uh, uh, of course that was you know we were all like that. We all believed that uh, we, the things should be a certain way, you know. So we all love John Wayne movies, and and, uh, and so all these experiences through that, through my friends, and and that we grew up in. We used to in, in the middle of the city where we grew up, the stockyards were there. Now we weren't allowed to go in there, but we'd sneak in every once in a while. But but all surrounding that were these big tr- railroad yards, and these railroad yards were were open. They were just huge areas where we'd sneak in. And 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 make little forts, and we we play, we would hunt rabbits and stuff. This is in the middle of the city, so we had all of this these adventures. And kids don't have that now. It's not like, you know, I don't know. A kid goes to the park. What does he do? I don't know where they even hang around. So we had these places to hang around. So it was great for us. And then uh, and and then the neighborhood started to change, where we all were uh, Polish kids when we grew up. Polish, Lithuanian. Uh, Catholic, you know, uh uh about the time we were twelve, thirteen, some of the neighborhoods started to change, it became Spanish and uh and then we were like, Oh man, who are these people coming in here to take over? Well, it was like all of a sudden we realized, hey, some of these uh Mexican girls are pretty nice looking and uh well, we got uh we got to know the guys better and we hung out and we uh worked together we let's put it this way we had little organizations together where we we became great friends and uh i remember the day before i went to the army <clears throat> into the army uh we were hanging out in one of the railroad yards and me and my mexican friends and my polish friends and everything we were, they were crying like babies cuz i was leaving the next day and you know i'll never forget those friendships uh, it's 50 years later but but uh, She's more than that, but uh, you know these are the things that are important. These people became our friends. It didn't matter what, it didn't matter to me, and it didn't matter to my friends then if they were legal or illegal or whatever. They were our friends, okay? Um, sort of, you know, so it was just like once you were a friend of somebody, that was that was all you needed. Once you realized that friendship was was a good bond, like. If we ever went drinking illegally, somebody had a quart of beer. We drank a beer in quarts in those days. They had quarts of beer. So uh, quart, Quartz. They were in like glass. Yeah, they were in glass quarts. Yeah. They're so, um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So we uh, we would do that, and nobody would ever, ever, ever leave a friend that got a little, a little uh, too too drunk out alone where he could get hurt. It always makes sure he got home okay. Now some of these kids get high, they get crazy, they do stuff. They leave somebody, get run over by a train. It happened there. I mean, it, it, it was just a sense of community, of camaraderie. You know, we knew that we were, we were nothing special. And so, but we were good and close friends. And some of those friends, I still have on Saturdays. Uh, we've lost a couple, but every Saturday for the past 15 years, kids from my, there's four of us or five of us from my old neighborhood that were all veterans. We had breakfast every Saturday. And uh, we still remember those times. We've had our reunions, 25-year, 50-year, not from my high school, but from my grammar school because that's how close we were. So, um, yeah. And, you know, and a lot of them are mixed relative to racially as, far as or ethnically as far as uh, uh, my uh a lot of Polish people married a Mexican woman, vice versa. It doesn't matter. We're all friends. So we'll be friends until we die, um, which three of them have already. But uh, right. but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So that was a sense of background. So the, the army made it, you know, he opened it up to all these people from all over the place. I mean, all of a sudden I'm meeting people from Kentucky and Iowa and, and New York. And it was just, you know, it just broadened everything open. I went to school for for a year in the army before I went to Vietnam. So, um, um, so now I go to, to 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 Vietnam, and now I'm I'm not I'm not stationed in with a bunch of military people. I'm like an advisor. Okay, I'm with the Vietnamese people. So now I learn about those people and the stories that they have and friendships that we made and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and uh, it was it was just the learning about people and then when I got out I had an opportunity the last thing I wanted to do was probably be a police officer. I was going to do a couple other things, but the object came up the circumstances prevailed, and I ended up trying it, and I loved it I loved it it was just uh it was an adventure it was every day you never know what's going to happen you know so thirty years like you say thirty years of vaudeville and a pension so uh you know and I started a to do acting and writing. I, I have a book on Amazon Prime. It's called, there, there was, uh, people don't understand, even people in Chicago don't notice. On the south side of Chicago, or actually right in the middle of downtown, right on the lakefront, mm-hmm. and in 1812, there was a fort. This is before Chicago was even a city, there was an army fort there. And they were told that they had to leave because the War of 1812 started to evacuate the fort and go to Fort Wayne. Well, all these these soldiers had had, uh, their family with them and everything. And the local Indians were kind of friendly, but what happened was the Indians from the outskirts started surrounding the fort and moving in closer and threatening the, the, the people in the fort. And so when they left, on the south side of Chicago, they got about a mile and a half, and a big battle happened. A bunch of Americans got killed, a bunch of kids got killed, because they were, just, it was an amazing story. This is right, we're right in the middle of the frickin' city. So wow. it was amazing, uh, valiant efforts by women that were involved, the, 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 the wives of the soldiers, etc. etc. So I wrote a book about them. It's called The Women of Fort Dearborn. It's on Amazon Prime. It's a short little thing, but it's kind of interesting, and it's this happened right here, right here in the city. And what I'll put that link in, below. Then. Oh, great! yeah. Uh, the the proceeds from that go to Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. Although there haven't been any for for a while yet, but but anyway. So then, so as trying to to, to write stuff, I had an idea uh, a couple of years ago to write about how people suffer loss and how it affects not only the people involved, not only the person who, who gets killed, but their entire family and how it affects and spreads over generations, okay? And so I, I got this idea in my head, and I wrote a script. Mm-hmm. and a short, I did a short film, and it came out exactly how I envisioned it. And the, the movie is called RPG, and it stands for Rocket Propelled Grenade, which is a very deadly weapon that they used in Vietnam. Yeah, I still use it. But anyway... Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, and that movie, I, I submitted to a bunch of film festivals, one of a bunch of awards, got an Outstanding Actor Award at a prestigious film festival, uh, and it's on Amazon Prime, and I love that film, uh, and I would ask your listeners to, no matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what their uh, ethnicity is, or it's about loss, it doesn't matter. This particular one is about loss of a, a man and his son. Uh, around the Vietnam era and the, and the Iraq, er, Iraqi era. Uh, but it shows very clearly how it, it ripples. The effects of loss ripple through the generations and through a family. So uh, I'm very, very proud of that. So I, I'm, I'm still writing. I'm still uh, trying to, I, I've completed a couple of strips. strips. I've had them uh, looked at by people. Uh, i 'm going to do go out on a campaign to try and sell these scripts one is a one is called Gino Genola, the Slick Boys, and the Slick Boys were what people in uh, the ghetto used to call detectives back in the eighties uh, so it 's about it 's about the first african American detective who got assigned to uh an all white detective unit the blue blue collar detectives back in the eighties and so i'm i 'm very proud of that that Script. Uh, it's it's funny and it's it's real and it's uh, it it doesn't doesn't uh, go around the racial question. It it, it it looks at it from different, different perspective. And then I just finished uh, working on a, a, a script or a, a, turning it into a novel. It's called uh, Devil's Dynasty. And it's about this uh, this American who falls deeply in love with this woman. Uh, it's the love of his life, and she gets horribly murdered. And he can't figure out why. He can't figure out why. Who would have done this to him? So he it leads him on a quest to to find the reason why his his, his fiance was murdered. It takes him to South America, and it 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 uh, he finds that he is part uh, has links to an emerging uh, Nazi uh, uh, reemergence in South America that's hope that's trying to take over the world. Well. So- yeah, so that's kind of, you know, that one came out of left field. I don't know why. I just wrote it and kept writing it. I've written it for a couple of years and refined it. And I'm really proud of that one, too. i, I, I uh going to try to sell the script in as a novel. So um, I'm looking forward to somebody hooking up with that one. So it's not easy. You know, you can write everything you want. It's a no matter of uh, you got to sell to somebody that's willing to put some money into it. And that... that oh, yeah. That, that, realizes your vision is important enough to invest in and so you know these things i when i when i write stuff like this i try to be very very uh true to the to the uh, to the form of of script or novel very serious very uh studious about it do a lot of research uh, uh there's a town it involves this town the, the devil's dynasty involved you're going to find this hard to believe this is absolutely true and you you're, you're Uh, People could look it up on the internet. There's a town that's in South America. It's in uh, Brazil. It's called Candido Godoy, okay? And when you go to this town, there is an archway over the entrance to the town. that says, in in Spanish, it says, uh, Land of the Twins. And in this town is 1,000% more incidents of twins than found anywhere on Earth so uh i incorporated that into the into the screenplay that i'm writing it's a most unusual place in that regard but there's more deep deeper significance to that idea of twins and how they how that place uh, got to have more twins than anywhere else in the world by 1000% wow wow and so there's all these interesting things little things of life that mm-hmm. uh end up you know, of interest and you start to research them and you put a story together in your head and it seems to work. So, I mean, let me ask you this. So
0: as a writer, and this is something I've always wanted to ask a writer, like what does it
1: really truly take to be a writer? I think it needs, to uh, you have to have passion. You have to have a story. You have to have an idea that you, you think people would be interested in, you know, that, And then you've got to find a way to engage, to tell the story in a way that's engaging. So, you know, you've got a million stories. You might think that, you know, and I found this to be really true. Um, People generally think that their lives don't include enough to to merit a, a, a story. But, you know, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think everybody's got a story they could tell or something they could... They could pass on that they 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 might think about. I mean, look at J.K. Rowling, you know, you know who the, she wrote all the the uh, wizard stories. Wasn't what it is. Uh, um, oh, very Harry Potter. Okay. Oh, i was <clears> talking <throat> about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, she she was just a writer. She wrote these things, and got uh, rejected a million times. And then one of her staff took the book home and had her kid read it, and the kid flipped out. And uh, the 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 staff said, "Hey, you better start take a look at this book. These kids are nuts about it." And she ended up being a billionaire, you know. Mm-hmm. And and she was just trying to write a story for her kids. And she had so a lot too. Oh my God! Yeah, amazing, oh, amazing okay. person. You know. It's, it's harder to make, and it's not about, here's the thing, Anthony, that's really important, I think, that's about all of this. It's not about making money because it's the same thing. My son is a musician. He's a wonderful musician. He plays in about five bands. He plays all sorts of different stuff. He loves music his whole life, but he can't make money. But, but uh, the thing is, is that you follow your passion, and that's got to be as much as you can expect. You know, you can't write to make money. You can't make music to make money. You could, but if that's not what you're true to, you're just wasting your time or wasting everybody else's time. It's much more rewarding to yourself to come out with something that that you feel is is worthy of your spirit, of your heart. Oh, I agree,
0: because if the music ain't got no soul to it, it's not music.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean...
0: Yeah, I feel sorry
1: for you in a way, Anthony, because I grew up in the great. Here, here's the thing, I grew up in the greatest era in human existence of music. I, in the 60s, in the, in the early 60s, late 50s, it was a revolution. I mean, we'd be walking down the street and, and talking to each other and, and some, some song would come on, there was only one station, some song would come on we say, boy, did you ever hear those guys before? No, they sound really, man, really cool. You know, it would be like the the transition from 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 the country style to to rock, where you had Roy Orbison, you had uh, guys you might you never even heard of, like Dal Shannon. You had oh, then sorry. then the the, the, the the big transition, the big wave of hit was. Was, uh, was the Beatles and of course we were there when they started it's like I had a girl come up to me and she says hey have you heard the Beatles song yet well no I haven't heard it yeah yeah I listened to it it's pretty cool and, and and they played in an amphitheater a mile from my house when they first came to the United States but so it, was, it wasn't just them it was other b- waves of music Motown was super popular all of our friends loved Motown it was the four tops the to, I mean, just all of it, Smokey Robinson, all this different kinds of music that came in and changed our lives because it was the stones, the animals, the, uh, there's a group called Dave Clark five that competed with the Beatles. You probably never even heard of them. Most people never even heard of them. They were like number one and two with the Beatles for years. And so it was like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all this wonderful, wonderful music that just uh, Diana Ross and, the Supremes, the Association, the, all these bands and all this eclectic stuff came in at the same time. So it was absolutely marvelous. And it hasn't happened like that since. In 1969, is like, I define when I think about things. I think of 1969 as the defining moment for this entire second half of this new generation. That's when everything changed. That's when Woodstock was. That's when music changed. That's when everything changed.
0: I, I am gonna say this, like for me being um being born in eighty nine to being a nineties kid, I will say we have some we have some good renaissance periods. I'm not gonna say really in the 2000s too much. Yes. Like we're yeah, we're not gonna have that sixties flow like you got like you have because that was that's when song lyrics truly mattered. I'd say all the way into the nineties People actually cared about the song lyrics. They weren't worried about image. They weren't worried about like what you look like or what you did outside of music. They were. It was about the music. When we got to a certain point in our like later generations from that era, it you started you saw you saw the decrease about the music yeah. mattering. Nowadays, you can be 10 percent is talent, ninety percent is all about image and everything else. I you could mean, make you, you and me. The,
1: oh, you said what? I says I could make you and me sound, um, you know, like the, the. We could buy five thousand dollars of equipment, and we'll never sing a bad note, and we'll never have a bad, you know. It'll make it sound terrific, even though we sound like, like nothing on, you know, on the air. I mean, it's a, it's a. It, it was music was exciting. Music was the. It was exciting. It was revolutionary then. Now it's, it's basically a beat that you can hop around to, whatever. It's the same. To me, again, different perspectives. It's just a repeat of the same over and over and over again. I mean, or, to think, and then the social part of it, to think that some song person who was popular in the 60s would diss some other song person who was popular and have them come over and shoot him. I mean, that's exactly what would
0: happen back then, though.
1: That, like, oh. that that is out of out of control. That, not, never in a, did anyone even remotely think that ever would could ever happen.
0: I mean, that it like nowadays, it's just simple for somebody to pick up a gun. It used to be, if I see you out somewhere, I want I want to fight you. Like right, right. Okay, it's like, okay, you throw a couple punches, you're both in the center of the night in jail then you end up making it right. get together and getting back to music. Right. <laughs> like, right. Th- nowadays, people are like, oh, yeah, you need to die. You need to die. You need to yeah. die. I'm just like, go make some music. You're getting out of your, like, you're getting out of, yeah. of the toughest neighborhoods in the world. This is the opportunity yeah. to go make some music and make some things happen and bring each other together. Yeah. Instead of this, like, I'm from this set, or, like, I don't like this dude because of what he said this way, or right. I dress this way, and he doesn't. It's like, it's crazy. like, I'm I'm a person that's done music too for a while, okay. I was doing yeah. I was a rapper. I was a rapper and a singer. Okay. Yeah. So for me like I really didn't like those type of politics. That's what kinda of put me off from doing music, it's just the fact that like like oh, you need to have an image, you need to be doing this on the ground, you need to buy bottles at the club and stuff. I'm just like
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's not that's not me. No yeah, I'm not right. pretend to be that way, like, you know, like I mean, right. because I love the main music.
1: Right. Right. You wanted to express oh. yourself. You wanted to express yourself and influence other people in a positive way, I would think. So, yeah. um, you know. I'll,
0: I mean, I'm not in for the money cars, of girls and nothing like that. Like, it's more about giving somebody an experience through my lyrics.
1: That was yeah, right.
0: I was like, I'm not going to say, oh, what would people want to hear? No, it isn't about the people. It's about what I want to throw out there. Right. Like, yeah, like, I want something that's going to move people and come from an honest perspective. But, oh, that sounds about right. That would be great for the radio. Right. If I I had um, the same mind as some of you guys, um, I would never write lyrics again.
1: I know. (laughs) It's a shame. It's a shame. But. You know, everything comes in its, in a in different phase. You know, like they always say, the pendulum swings one way and it comes back the other way sooner or later. So we'll see. I think people, I think young people especially, I think young people especially are looking for something today. But I think they tend to feel that they're lost. They really don't don't understand. They're, they're told that religion is no good. Uh, they're worshiping incense and candles and crystals and, uh, you know, they, they, they're they told that their family is no good. They're told that the their government is no good. Uh, what do they have to look forward to? And what do they have to look up to? You know, what, a baseball player? A football player? You know. Hey, sometimes it's like,
0: even with that, yeah. <laughs> some of them don't even care about that anymore.
1: No. No. I mean, you know. I mean,
0: I feel these newer generations are more cynical because of, there's just so many things going on in the world. It's made a lot of even young children cynical.
1: Yeah, but people can't but enjoy it's things. It's Always anymore. been like that. It's always been like that. The problem is that we know more about it now because of the 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 way that we we're able to know about everything that happens everywhere every day. There's very few things that don't make it to the to to the, to an internet or social media or something that or YouTube. I mean, you people have 17 hours of their dog on the couch on YouTube. I mean, come on. I mean, we don't need to okay. know all that. I agree. Hey, this is made the way. We got a call on the north end of old. I mean, so oxidates us. Well, yeah. You guys just have to take a lot of ourselves.
0: Oh. Right oh, man. man, we'd be here all night analyzing the world right now i just thought about that the things about the world that we can't control
1: well sometimes we just don't want to try to control it i mean how many people get involved in politics now look at the kind of people that we have running for the highest offices in the in the country you know are these the best people we can we can People, but people don't want to do it because they don't want themselves to be in the spotlight. They don't want to be dissected and 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 critiqued for everything that they do. You know, so it's like it's tough. We have recently we're looking for we're looking for a new police chief here. The last one, let's put it this way, resigned. Okay, and you, they're looking for a new one. I don't know how many people are going to put in for it. But who wants that job anymore? It doesn't matter about the pay. The pay is decent, but every time you, you do anything, you're going to be crit- critiqued by a million people. So it's tough.
0: I completely agree. I mean, what we would need is somebody who, who knows how, what it means to be poor and what it means to build yourself up. And that's kind of hard to do when both of the people that run usually have money.
1: Oh, money, yeah. we, we, yeah. we got a, two billionaires, the last two governors of the state. The, mm-hmm. the last two governors were, were billionaires. They put millions of dollars of their own money into the campaign and just blew everybody else away. They won. I mean, how do you fight that? I mean,
0: <laughs> money is a source of your power. And I'm very confused about, like, our current government, I mean, I don't really care what party they belong to. I just care about who's going to work, yeah. uh, who's going to be the people. And I feel like there's nobody on either side, whether you're liberal, whether you're like far right conservative, whatever Yeah, conservative. I'm just, it's just, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's like, it's more stressful to even want to hear anything they have to say because it's just like, do you really mean what you say you're going to do?
1: Right. Well, you got yeah, to see what they, do, you know, yeah, what they do, uh, is, you know, what they do. You know, here's sorry. what I think, Anthony. Anthony, I think the secret, and I think it would be very hard to do, but I think if if people really rose up, they could swing it. I think the number one thing that everybody needs to do in this country, as far, and I don't want to bring it into a big political thing, but this isn't really political. This is about okay. structural. Everybody's got to. We got to start going to term limits. You get two two terms, uh, and you're out. It's just that simple. You, you don't make your whole life, you know, living in Congress or living in, in the Senate uh, for twenty, yeah. thirty, forty years. You know, you got to go out and give that way. You don't get entrenched. You don't get bought and sold by uh, certain interests, and you know, you can be a little more freedom. You know. Oh, when, I, when I when I. There's a there's a, 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 a an alderman here. Most of the aldermen in the city of Chicago are not a lot. Let's put it this way: a large amount of them get jammed up by taking bribes and stuff like that. And so when they do that, the, they get indicted. A lot of times they'll have a uh, have a wire on them. The the, the G will have a wire on them, and they publish the the, the transcripts from the wire. And you can read over 200 pages of transcripts of them talking to their friends and how they do the wheel, these unders, the deals and stuff like that, these backroom deals. And all they are done for is to enhance themselves or their relatives. You read these transcripts, and you never once does it say in there, well, this will be good for my ward. This will be good for the people in my ward. It doesn't cross their mind. It, all, all that crosses their mind is will it be good for them personally or their friends or their, their, their political uh, sponsors or their relatives. So that's what's got to be changed with the with the term limits. You know, you got to get them in, and they don't have time to get entrenched and and build a, a an empire. I completely agree. Man, well,
0: we have touched on a lot of topics today.
1: Yeah, uh, it's enjoyable, very enjoyable.
0: I agree. I like having these type of intellectual conversations. It educates me on some things. It also gives me more insight into things I already... Was already tinkering with in my mind, so it's just yeah, great to have back and have a good conversation with, them. and that's why I love doing the
1: show. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a great thing. It's you know, it's interesting to be introspective and self-examine yourself and where you're going when you get a little older. When I hit seventy, I'm over seventy now. When I hit seventy, it really was a big change for me. It really started me to think uh, about you know the end game and the end zone and, and, and how you want to leave, you know, and what you want to leave. And so you're a young man, you don't even think about it. It's not even in your head. And it never was in my head. It was just about, you know, uh, just getting this or getting that and getting a new car or whatever. Now it's, it's about how to check out, you know, uh, to make a plan and how to, to leave uh, your friends and 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 leave your your family. I got two grandkids, and they're my life. You know, my kids and my grandkids are my life, and I want to make sure that they have something memorable and meaningful to remember me by. And that's why I do some, some of these creative things. That's good. So,
0: while I still have you on the phone? Do you um do you have anything special that you're working on currently? that you would like to share with the people, or is it more of uh, you have to wait and
1: see? Well, like I said, I've been really hustling to get my scripts done, and I'm going to, I'm uh, finishing up this novel, but um, I would like to, to for people to, to, if they can, to uh, go to Amazon Prime, and see if, they, if they'd if watch, it's only 18 minutes with the credits, it's only a 15 minute film, uh, that film RPG, it's a short film, Um look it up on amazon prime it's like you'd look up for anything on amazon there's a couple other things called rpg but if you look up rpg film or my name rpg joe Gandersky, you'll find it and uh it's like a buck or two i I don't make any hardly any money people watch it but uh but it's it's important for me to for people to think uh introspectively about it hmm
0: well i mean definitely go check them out and then um I'm gonna have him send me the links. I'm gonna put it below here in the description. Also, Mr. Rendersky, I gotta ask. Um, one last thing. Have you ever been to Kansas City?
1: Um, you know, I went through Kansas City but I I never st- st- stayed there for any length of time.
0: Okay. We're only eight hours away from each other. We need okay. to we need to definitely get together. I would like to sit down with yeah. you in Chicago, and I would love for you to sit down with me in Missouri.
1: Yeah. In yeah, it'd be great fun. Yeah. Let's stay in touch. Uh-huh.
0: Let's really stay in touch because I, I've already I've already enjoyed this conversation with you, and you seem like a very down to earth guy. I probably can learn a lot from you as well. Well, um, no, so same here. Like,
1: I like I learned until the day I die. I'm going to be learning things from people, so
0: you never stop learning. You stop learning, you're right. Already dead. Right. Uh, that's what. Um, I just want to say I, I am very humble that you came on my show. Um, thank you for your words of wisdom and. Thank you for your insight because I appreciate when we can have good conversations like this. It It, is, it felt like I was talking to an old friend.
1: Yeah. I and I appreciate it. you. I'm honored to be on your show and it's been a, a joy for me.
0: What's that, ladies and gentlemen? The great, the legendary, the fantastic, the iconic Joe Grandberry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm calling you iconic because you're pretty epic, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but don't tell my yeah. wife i'm just I'm just supposed to clean the bathrooms every once in a
0: while. Well, with that guys, it looks like this is the end of the interview. I want to say thank you very much to everybody that's listening uh feel free to subscribe to the podcast if this is your first time listening. Also, leave comments below, leave a review on Apple. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um Delivery Bros PLD or you can find me at um Delivery Bros po- um podcast on Instagram. Check me out. Feel free to message me, ask any questions, and also um feel free to um go to the Patreon as well and to go find me or whatever works for you, just on delivery bro. But with that I'm putting Mr. Grandircey's links below. Check out his stuff on Amazon. I mean, you've already heard the conversation. Now, understand the intellect of this man as he puts out fantastic production, and he also has a book. I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy it. Heck, I'm about to go pick one up myself, and I'm not even saying that just because it's a podcast. I'm getting one at the end of the week when I get paid because, hey, hey, when I get that money, I'm definitely grabbing his no, – I'm going to grab his book. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already set on it. So what's that, guys? My name is Anthony Anstone, a.k.a. Black Fabio, a.k.a. The Midnight Marauder, a.k.a. Mr. A.K.A. And you are just tuned in to the delivery, bro. The delivery bros.